Today's scripture reading comes from Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning and happy Friday. Um, as Esteban mentioned a little bit ago, my name is Kirsten and I'm one of the campus pastors here. Um, I have a ridiculously long title, but essentially I oversee our discipleship ministries program, which is student small groups, thank you, um, and as well as creative arts programming for chapel. And I have been asked to share my faith story with you all today, and I thought, um, what a better way to introduce you to who I am and um, what I'm about than to start off with some pictures. Um, so the first photo that I brought for you all is a photo of my family. Um, this is a photo of my husband, Henry, and my daughter, Nora. Um, that'll be up on the screen soon. And some of you may have met my daughter, Nora. That's her right there, yes. Um, she's in the calf with us a lot. She's never met someone that she didn't wanna be friends with. Um, so she'll wander the calf and make friends with anyone who will talk to her. Um, but before we had Nora, um, we were married for about five years, and I brought a photo of our wedding day um, just because I thought it'd be fun to see. Um, this is in La Jolla, um, which is up a little further from here in San Diego. And before we were married, um, we were, or before we were here in San Diego, we lived in Phoenix, and we also were living in Kansas City, where I went to Nazarene Theological Seminary and received my Master's in Divinity. Um, I think I brought a photo of that graduation day. Um, I did four years here and thought, let's buckle in for another four years of grad school. Um, I know there's some seniors who are feeling that right now. Um, so that was me on my graduation day a couple years ago after receiving my MDiv. And then, you know, before I'd gone to seminary, before we were married, before we had Nora, um, my husband Henry and I were students here at Point Loma together. Um, we met um, and started dating. It was the end of my junior year and the end of his sophomore year. So I brought a photo of college us, and I thought we looked so old at the time, and I'm looking at that photo now. We look so young, it's crazy. Um, that was us in college. We had kind of just been dating for a couple months at the time. Um, and then even more fun than that, uh, before we were dating, we actually met because we were both serving in the Discipleship Ministries program here as students. Um, and I couldn't find a photo that had both of us in it. Um, I did find one photo um, of me and some leaders. Um, if you're familiar with Melanie Wolf, she oversaw the program at the time, that's her in the middle. Um, I don't know if she's here or not, she is. I didn't tell her I was gonna show this photo, so thank you for being such a good sport. Um, but we were both students in the Discipleship Ministries program. I believe the first time my husband and I met was at a leadership training retreat, and we don't remember much about that moment, but um, we know that that was the first time that we met each other. 
And something that has been really special for me in getting to return here and oversee the Discipleship Ministries program is that I once was a student in that program and now I'm getting to oversee and kind of pour into students the way that I was poured into. And there's a part of that that feels very full circle. Um, There's another part of that that has felt very unexpected for me. And so as I was thinking about sharing my faith story today, I thought I would share a little bit about my journey from being a student here to returning as a campus pastor and how God has worked in that particular season of my life. Um, Part of my faith journey is that I am what I like to call a recovering type A planner. Um, I am in recovery of trying to plan out 10 steps ahead in my life. Anyone out there resonate with that? I know there's some of you. Um, I have been constantly learning the discipline of letting go and trusting God. And I kind of think back to where that started as a student and Um, I think it started when I felt like God threw me this really big curveball. So I had come here and I was a psychology major and in my 10-step plan, I was going to get my degree and I wanted to go on to grad school and I wanted to become a marriage and family therapist and do all the things that you need to to become that. And I was a couple years in to that degree when I kind of felt God throw a curveball at me and say, drop those plans, do this instead. I had been really involved in like student and spiritual development programs here. I'd obviously been working as a D group leader. I'd been pretty involved with our um, LoveWorks International Ministries program. And I had participated in a summer ministry internship program that we had at the time, where you apply and you get placed at a church to serve for the summer. And I was placed at a church in Oahu, Hawaii, um, called Windward Church of the Nazarene, um, which is not a bad place to spend your summer, I will say. Um, But I worked there as a children's ministry intern for that summer. And I worked planning kids' lessons, coordinating a kids' summer camp, um, you know, teaching and preaching at a chapel at a small Christian school that they had. And it was during that summer, it wasn't any like one particular moment, but it was just during that summer that I felt God say, this is what you are called to do. This is what you are supposed to be doing. And I discerned and felt that I was being called distinctly to vocational ministry. And I didn't know what kind of pastor I wanted to be or even what it really meant to be called to ministry, what it meant to kind of throw those words out. But I came back from that summer and I began to wrestle with that and I began to meet with mentors and pastors and talk with friends that I trusted. And eventually I I discerned that I did feel this call to ministry and part of that calling also included going to seminary. And so this is where I feel like I did the most uncharacteristic thing that I've ever done. If you know me, um, this is gonna sound a little mind boggling. But I applied to Nazarene Theological Seminary, NTS, which is not the uncharacteristic thing I did, but I applied and accepted and agreed to go there and paid a deposit without one, ever visiting, and without two, ever Googling a single picture of Kansas City, Missouri. Knew nothing. Um, So preview families, you're doing it right. You're coming, you're visiting, you're getting a feel for the community. You're seeing where you're gonna come to. Um, I, I did not do that. I just jumped in, went in blind, Um, packed up my car, got my parents to agree to drive me across the country to the Midwest. 
Um, and I don't recommend that. Um, but I will say that I fell in love with the city of Kansas City and with the seminary there. If you're not familiar with Kansas City, it's not a bunch of cornfields, as you may think. Um, it's actually this really amazing, like mid-sized Midwest city. It has like a really good coffee scene and really good culture there. And so fell in love with it, fell in love with the community at the seminary. Really enjoyed the years that I spent there. But something that was really difficult for me in that time was I was wrestling with this discrepancy I felt between feeling called to ministry and also struggling to actually get a job, a paying job in ministry. Um, I felt that a lot of my friends and colleagues and classmates were finding positions at local churches as kids pastors and youth pastors and things. And although I was finding churches to plug into, I wasn't able to find like a paying ministry job. And I think there was a part of me that felt, you know, disappointed that it wasn't playing out how I had envisioned. I had felt this grand calling and I said yes and I jumped in blind and I moved across the country. Um, and I ended up taking the first job I could find and I worked at a YMCA selling memberships. Which nothing against the YMCA, um, big fan. Um, I just think there was a disappointment that that was not how I envisioned my time there to be. And yet I look back and I know that during that season, God was shaping me and he was using that time. In my several years in Kansas City, I worked in several ministry tangent jobs. Um, I worked at a couple different Christian universities. I worked at a community development nonprofit that focused on painting and refurbishing neighborhoods. Um, that was another thing I jumped in blind to. I had no skills for that, um, but I learned how to write grants and coordinate volunteer groups and how to professionally paint a building. Um, which is a helpful skill sometimes to have, maybe. Um, but eventually, an opportunity came for my husband and I um, to leave Kansas City to take a ministry position at a small church plant in Phoenix, Arizona. And so, you know, we did it right this time. We went and visited Phoenix as a city. So I kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into. Um, but we visited, we kind of knew, um, and we kind of packed ourselves up and moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And I worked there part-time, first as a children's pastor, later as an associate pastor at this little church plant. And I also took an adjunct teaching assistant position at Grand Canyon University on the side. And the funny thing about that was that Initially, that was a job that was born out of necessity. I was working for this little church that couldn't really afford to pay me full time. And so I took it as a way to provide additional income. And I, strangely enough, ended up loving it. That job ended up being a highlight for me of that season. And so I think, again, God was shaping me and he was using those unexpected experiences in my life. I know that to be true looking back. We were in Phoenix for several years, and I can't say that I love Phoenix as a city. Um, I'm not convinced that humans were meant to thrive in the desert. Um, was not a fan. Um, and I, if you know me, I feel like I say that a lot. Um, I just never could fall in love with that city the way I did Kansas City. Um, but there were people there that we loved, and so we stayed for a while and put down some roots. And looking back, as I kind of thought about sharing this today, 
my time in Phoenix is a little bit bittersweet for me because I also encountered some really negative and hurtful aspects of the church and what I think it can look like at its worst. The thing about the church, the big C church, not just that little one, but the thing about the church is that it's filled with broken and imperfect people and sometimes we brush up against that brokenness. And for me, some of those wounds had cut pretty deep. And on top of that, I was working two very, very demanding jobs that were very slowly taking a toll on my mental and physical health. And I could sense that that was bleeding over into my marriage, into my friendships, um, and in all areas of my life. I knew that I was not in the best frame of mind, that I was not emotionally healthy. And it was during this time that I started meeting with a new mentor, um, an older pastor and former professor who had recently moved to the area. And I shared a little bit with him one day about what I'd been going through and how I was feeling and in what felt like a huge breath of fresh air for me. He first validated my feelings, my hurt and my pain. And second, he encouraged me to leave. He encouraged me to move someplace else to start considering how we could go somewhere different as a way to heal and a way to process. And for me, that permission to step away was the best thing that could have been given to me. Because I'm a committed person. I commit to something and I feel like I want to do it fully. And I felt like I needed that healthy permission to say, it's okay, you can step away. And so just as my husband and I began thinking and praying about what we should do and where we should go, Um, This was around early 2020. Um, A little thing called the COVID pandemic happened. Uh, And there were a lot of things that kind of shifted in our life during COVID, especially in relation to my two jobs, um, especially the job at GCU. And so there were some things that changed that kind of made it easier to begin considering stepping away. Um, At the same time, my husband's grandma, who had been living alone, was moved out of her house and into Um, another relative's home, um, and that kind of left her house here in San Diego vacant. And so the next lifeline that I felt like was given to me was the chance to move temporarily into her home here in San Diego. And so early pandemic, everyone's quarantining. Um, We're in that phase where we think we just need a couple months to flatten the curve, like peak pandemic, that's where we're at here. Um, We, I quit both of my jobs and we moved back to San Diego with pretty much no plan. And that's probably the second most uncharistic thing that I've ever done, if you know me. Um, I didn't have a plan, I didn't have a job lined up, but I knew that we needed to leave and that there was a lifeline being offered, and so we took it. And if I'm being honest, it felt a little bit like free-falling I remember sitting in the U-Haul as we were driving away, and I felt both immense sadness for that season and the things that I was grieving, um, but also relief, knowing that we had made a decision that was extremely difficult, but that also was the right decision. And so we moved back here to San Diego into my husband's grandma's house 
which I should mention for the sake of this story, was a, um, a house in a retirement complex for people who are 65 and up, um, which we're clearly not. Um, and so there was like one, that look of like skepticism of like, who are these people that are moving in? Um, and then also too, like they kind of just loved us as well. Um, there were just really sweet people during that season who like would come over to our house, who would chat, who we would see while we were taking our dogs on walks. And it was just a really funny, unique season to be there, um, but also felt so like loved on by some of the people there. Um, and I, I just know that God was present and using some of that season. But if you're tracking with me in this story so far, it's the middle of a global pandemic. I quit both of my jobs. I had nothing else lined up. We moved to a whole nother state. We moved into a retirement complex for people who are 65 and up, and I was jobless. So things were looking really great for me in this part of my story, um, just really awesome. And the thing about older people is that they're retired and they don't have a lot going on either, so they're really nosy. So they would also always stop by and want to chat with us and ask how we're doing. And all those questions always included like, well, what do you do for work? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm doing nothing. And they're like so committed to wanting to help us. And these random like older people who I don't know are like, well, my daughter-in-law's brother works at a school and they could get you a job. And they're just so sweet and they cared so much. Um, but it was a very unique season for me. Um, and not just because of the retirement complex I lived in. Um, but in that decision to kind of return, I wasn't fully certain that I could see myself returning to ministry. I wasn't sure how to process the grief that I felt at being disappointed in the church and in people that I trusted. And most of all, I wasn't sure what to do with the anger that I felt at God. I'm not a particularly angry person. That's not really a default emotion that I tend to feel a lot. But when I thought about that call that had been placed on my life that summer in Hawaii and all the things that I had given up along the way, all the things that I had jumped into blindly, all the big moves that I had made and the disappointment that I had faced and the things that I'd gone through, I felt angry. I felt angry with God that he would call me to do something that felt so hard. And I think today that I'm not alone in that experience. I know because I work with students here and I have conversations with you and I'm in those places and I know that you have felt that too. The church is an imperfect community filled with broken people who are doing their best and failing sometimes. It's filled with people who are seeking what God wants and have sometimes landed on different ends of the spectrum of how to do that. It's messy, it's complicated, and it reminds me that in the midst of all of that, it reminds me of why our hope is in Jesus and not in ourselves, amen. I needed that reminder then, and I need it even today, even now that our hope is in Jesus and not in ourselves. And so earlier, Josue had read Hebrews 12 for us, and I, I just wanted to read that one more time. It says, so then with endurance, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us, 
Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us throw off any baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and set down at the right side of God's throne. And this is a pretty common passage, so I know a lot of you have heard it before, or at least the the verse, running the race with endurance, or running the race with perseverance, as some translations would say. Um, But what I really love about this passage is actually the setup for it in the previous chapter. If you're not familiar with the book of Hebrews, um, it's this really intricately work, like written book, and it's part of the New Testament, but it often reads like it's part of the Old Testament, and that's partly because it's making so many references to the Old Testament. It's kind of like the ultimate callback book with its references. Um, and it's also been a really fitting book to frame so much of our chapel theme this year of who God is from age to age. But right in the chapter before, chapter 11, the author of Hebrews mentions by name this long list of characters in the Old Testament who are cited as following God by faith in spite of what they endured. They mention Noah and Sarah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. The author kind of summarizes each of their journeys, the things that they had to risk, the things they gave up. And then immediately in the next chapter, the author starts by saying, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, which means we are preceded by others who have risked everything for their faith who have struggled, who have lived through really hard, rocky seasons. And I think I'm able to think of mentors and people in my life that I would name as being part of that cloud of witnesses. Those are the people that have focused their eyes on Jesus, committed to the journey, and have put the work in. But I think this passage also reminds us to think of ourselves as running a race or as pilgrims on a journey which also prompts us to acknowledge that our faith is an active faith. I think that's what I love about the reminder in this passage, that we are not passive bystanders in our own faith journey, that we are active participants with free will to choose Jesus. We get to choose to set our sights on him. We get to choose how to walk that journey, how to respond to both the valleys and the mountaintops to know that God is still good, that God is still loving, that God is still working and bringing new life in every season. We sang the song a minute ago, You Hold It All Together, which is one of my favorite songs right now. And we proclaim the words, on mountaintops you stay the same, on valley low you never change. And I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. And something that I'm confident in is that as seasons change, as we walk this race before us, that God stays the same. He's not rattled by the unexpected. He's not surprised at our imperfections. He's not caught off guard by our messiness. He's present and his goodness remains, both in our darkest valleys and our highest mountaintops. But I also have to tell you that on this pilgrimage that we're walking, this race that we're running, this journey, part of it being an active faith means that we get to do the hard but rewarding work of engaging in spiritual disciplines, like mentorship, discipleship, community, prayer, worship, self-care, confession, journaling, serving. 
and all the other ways and means that help orient us to the presence of God. And so for me, in those valleys, in those really hard moments, when it felt like I wanted to give up, when it felt like I wanted to walk away, when it felt like there wasn't hope for the world or for the church or for the change I wanted to see, I had to choose to dig in. I had to choose to dig into things I knew that I could rely on to open myself up to mentorship, open myself up to discipleship, to therapy, to better self-care rhythms. And out of those places, I was able to find bits and pieces of healing and of comfort and of new growth in my life. And so we had been back in San Diego for a while and we were no longer living in the retirement complex. So we had upgraded to our own home, um, surrounded with people close to our age. And we had gotten pregnant with our daughter, Nora, and I had given birth to her. And this stirring started happening again. I started to feel this call to ministry again of the Lord saying, like, it's time. And I remember voicing that to my husband, kind of afraid, because I felt like once I said it, it was real, if you know what I mean. Like, once you say it out loud, then it's real, it matters. Like, someone else heard you, like, say it and admit it. And so I remember saying to my husband, like, I, I think the Lord's calling me to return to ministry. And the funny part about that is that he wasn't surprised at all. He said, yeah, I think that's where you're supposed to be. I think that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so I quit another job because God opened the door for me to return here to this community. And in all those places that I felt like I was out of step with my calling, where I was working those jobs that weren't traditional ministry, was in those nonprofit spaces, I was in those seasons where I was taking a break, it was all of those places and all of those experiences that I felt like uniquely qualified me for my position in ministry here. And I look back now and I think there are seasons where the journey is easy and light and there are seasons where it's just difficult. And for years I felt like my journey was taking me through this like dark forest where I was just putting one foot in front of the other. I couldn't think five, 10 steps ahead. I didn't know where I was headed. All I could do was take whatever the next right step was immediately in front of me. And for me that looked like choosing seminary without knowing what was past that, taking certain jobs, leaving certain jobs, and in the meantime, digging into practices that I knew would keep me rooted in who God was and through every season in between. And so today, I think I would encourage you that whatever season you find yourself in, whatever part of the journey that you feel like you're at, the mountaintop, the valley, the forest, the desert, however you would describe it, I would encourage you to dig in what we know to be true. That the God of mountaintops is also the God of valleys. We can be confident that as seasons change, his faithfulness will remain. I needed to hear that then, I needed to hear it now. I will need to be reminded of that again in the future and over and over and over again. And so for you, maybe you're a student trying to decide what you're doing after you graduate or you're trying to make hard decisions or you're a preview student making plans for your future and looking to embark on this new adventure. Just know that we love and serve a God who is present 
ever-present, never-changing, and is with us through every season. I'm gonna take a moment to pray with us. So bow your heads with me. God, we thank you so much for this place and this space today. We know that you are good. We know that you love us. We know that you are present and working in our lives even when we don't feel it. We put our trust in you today knowing that there's brokenness and division, places of hurt and anguish, and we bring those before you. We ask for grace, for comfort, and for courage to proclaim you on both the mountaintops and in the valleys. Help us to lean in even closer to you in your presence in these moments. Help us to see your face in those around us. Guide us, walk with us. We give these things to you today, and in your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.